It's time for Stay On Your Feet, the Mirror Football Podcast with Sam Matterface. In this week's Mirror Football Podcast, transfer deadline day looms large and Arsenal need a whole new club. And as if things couldn't get any worse, Liverpool, after their mauling of the Gunners, have launched a bid for Gunners target Lamar. Right about now, I think it's uh, 50-50. Uh, we have two top football agents, the chief football man at the Mirror and a European football guru to guide us through what will happen in the next 48 hours. And one of those came back from the dead. It's true, folks. Uh, we got news from Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs and Everton, amongst others, including those on the continent, Monaco and Barcelona. Yep, in the video section of the podcast available on YouTube, we've got one of the best best ever are you fit to wear the shirts starring a treble winning shirt and uh, we will ask if England should experiment during the international break. Plus this week's Matterface Mindbender. Why is Lacazette, the guy that we paid £50 million for, the guy that has been performing really really well this season, the guy that has got fans really excited, he's on the bench. Get in touch on Instagram or Twitter. Ha, only kidding. Not really. We wouldn't give you a question that has no real answer. Um, lots of Arsenal today and lots of crowing from you, I would have thought. Well, not crowing, but it was good, wasn't it? Uh, producer Big Tom's a massive Liverpool fan mm. uh, and he enjoyed himself on Sunday. It was sensational. I'm not, I think a lot of the focus has been on Arsenal and how bad they were, but Liverpool were good. I thought they were very, very good going forward. Goalkeeper still worried me a couple of times. Uh, but uh, ultimately, if you don't have to do any defending, you will win the league at a canter. Um, I'm not sure about that. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> well, you will if you don't have to defend. Yeah. Uh, some of the best things I heard over the weekend were Gary Neville's commentary box oh, gems. Brilliant. Uh, I'm disappointed Aaron Ramsey has been hooked at half-time because I was going to give him man of the match just so he had to do a post-match interview. Wow. And that was after, uh, for the first goal, he went wandering and was looking completely the wrong way. I can't wait to see the next interaction between Aaron Ramsey and Gary Neville. I loved it. It was brilliant. It, the, the, one of my favourite ones was, I'm no Liverpool fan, as everyone knows, but this Arsenal team deserve a good battering. <laughs> he was pulling no punches. Started the season well. Um, but but we, listen, we're going to talk to John Cross about that very shortly. Neil McClellan is coming on the programme as well to talk transfers, including some of the massive deals that are going to go through between now and the transfer window closing. Clive Clark, who 10 years ago this week died on the pitch playing for Sunderland in the League Cup, uh, is back yeah. and uh, he's, you know, he's, he's now a football agent. So that's okay. good. He's, uh, he's been reincarnated as a football agent, mm. if you can say that. Uh, and he's uh, also going to be joined by James Featherston uh, from Omnisports, nicknamed Feathers in the business. Um, yeah, he's a big football agent. He's the agent for Gary Monk, amongst others. And he'll be uh, taking us through what actually happens on deadline day mm. and how you get deals done at this time of the year. Uh, now, would you like a Matterface Mindbender? You know I always like them. I know you do, but, but do you want one? I do want one, please. Okay. Yeah, what have you got? All right. Well, today's Mindbender centres on your club because I thought it would be easy for you. Yeah. Uh, in the last five seasons, Don't Liverpool right. <laughs> have scored 17 goals at home against Arsenal in the Premier League. Okay. So you've scored 17 league goals at home against Arsenal in the Premier League. Right. Nine players scored those goals. There haven't been any own goals. No. Right. But five of those players who scored, scored more than once. Who are they? I think I'd probably have a good go at this. Go on, um, Well, I know it's definitely Skirtle and Sterling because they both scored twice in the same game. Skirtle was uh, the one that I was keeping up my sleeve thinking that was going to be too difficult. No, that 5-1 is still fresh in the memory. Um, <laughs> Mane from last season. Yep. Mm, I, I'm confident about the other two, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I've You're got gonna it right in my mind. You're yeah. gonna just going to give me five names and get them all right 100%. 
I could probably have a fair go, but uh, I'll go okay. for those. Just I'll make sure I've got it right. I'll Stick give other with people it. a go as well. Okay, we'll go through it over the course of uh, the next uh, 40 minutes or so. If you get these faster than Big Tom, uh, the producer, then send us a tweet. It's at Stay On Your Feet on Twitter. You can Instagram us at Stay On Your Feet TV. The Mirror Football Podcast. Well, what a week that was. So you've, you've had the debrief. You know what happened after being ripped limb from limb by Liverpool. How do Arsenal move forward next? Who better to ask than the man who not only is the top football man at the Mirror, but also a man who wrote a book about Arsene Wenger too. Uh, John Cross is with us. Hi, John. You OK? Hi, John. Yeah, very good. Nice to be with you, Sam. Uh, now, I know that you are in the middle of an England press day and you are busy tweeting breaking transfer news as we speak, uh, which is that maybe... Uh, this nightmare scenario for Arsenal might get even worse. Yeah, Man City a bit on Alexis Sanchez, and um, Arsenal have been absolutely resolute that they would um, not sell. But City, I guess, have thrown um, something into the mix um, by offering player plus cash, which involves Raheem Sterling. So that is an interesting development. I still think Arsenal at this stage will stand firm and um, uh, it will be difficult, I think, to um, to persuade them to sell. Particularly late on, if they can't replace them, I guess City's logic is that basically if they can offer a quality, top-quality player in exchange, then, then, then maybe that might tempt Arsenal's sort of resolve um, to change uh, in the last sort of days of the window. But... Um, yeah, if they sell Sanchez, I think what is already a bleak week for Arsenal fans will get even worse. Wow, and uh, Alexis Sanchez may well be able to force the issue if he puts in a transfer request, which is another story that we've been running on the Mirror Football website today. Yeah, I don't think that Sanchez has asked to leave. So um, I don't think that that's right. Arsenal have been absolutely adamant that that's not the case. Um, but I do think that... Uh, um, you know, Sanchez's future will still be up, up for discussion in the next two or three days. But as I understand it, I think that they've had this discussion that Sanchez uh, will stay um, and see out the final year of his contract unless something absolutely dramatic happens in the last few days of the window, like an um, unbelievable bit. But um, as of yet, that hasn't actually happened in terms of turning Arsenal's head. So... I don't know that you know that will be enough even then to, to tempt Arsenal at this late stage. Um, I, I, you know Arsene Wenger, you know him well, you've spoke to him for, for many, many years, you spent time with him, you wrote the book with him. Um, does he see that this is a uh, defining moment of his career? Does he understand that actually, far from being the greatest manager in Arsenal's history, far from being uh, the guy that everyone in the Premier League respects because he changed the culture of the league, now he's becoming... A laughing stock. I mean, we did the respectful thing last year. Everyone was sort of like, yeah, but you've got to look at what this guy's done over 20 years rather than just what he's done after 20, over 20 months. But now people have stopped being respectful towards him and started to just laugh at him because he looks, he looks clueless. Yeah, he does. It's, it's a real worry, um, I think, for, for Arsenal fans at the moment. Look, I, I think that basically towards the end of last season, things were going a bit stale. I do think there's an opportunity there for Arsenal to make a change um, in, in manager. I think that Wenger was always determined to stay on. And I think the club from about April onwards, you know, made this resolve to, to stick with him um, and, and move ahead with with um, uh, with, with Arsene Wenger. Um, 
but I don't know whether that's, you know, that we're always the right choice to make, really. I think it's sometimes a case of better devil you know, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I, I think with, 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 with Arsenal, uh, you know, I think what better way would there have been for Wenger to win the FA Cup, lift, lift the trophy, and go out in a glorious farewell, even in front of some of the fans that had knocked in the previous season. And I just think he was so determined to give it one last crack, to give it one last go. But that that that's his point, isn't it? That basically, um, that, that sort of you know, that I don't know whether that's it's really going to be enough, really, for, for Arsenal to 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 persuade him to sort of uh, you know to, to move forward, really, for, for Arsenal, and uh, and whether sort of Wenger is in the right frame of mind now to kind of try and change and adapt and challenge while while everyone else is spending big money, Arsenal sort of selling players. And it's been just so disappointing, I think. Um, so, Alexis Sanchez has been bid for by Manchester City. Oxlade Chamberlain is on the verge of an exit. We think he's going to Chelsea. So, I mean, are these just the first two of many different, I'm not going to call them rats, but it's leaving the sinking ship, people just getting off before it goes down? Yeah, I think with Oxlade Chamberlain, I think he's made a career choice, to be honest. I think he's got any left on his contract and Arsenal will cash in now. So I can sort of stand out. I think he wants to see himself develop and sort of move forward, improve himself, particularly, you know, with England in mind. And I think that he feels, obviously, he hasn't perhaps been able to sort of fulfil his huge, rich potential at Arsenal. Um, but I do think with, with, with Sanchez, I think the issue um, for, for, for now is whether whether they sort of can get to re-sign um, and keep him again. Um, and I don't know whether that will be um, enough, really, for... Um, uh, you know, for Sanchez, I, I personally think that what happens is that Sanchez will probably see out the final year, uh, leave on a very, very lucrative free transfer next summer as a free agent. Um, and, you know, I think he'll be in a very good position then. But I, I do worry about the final season, whether he's going to be sort of pumped up knowing that he's going to go for pastures new. That's always the issue, I think, for players towards the end. We're just waiting for confirmation of the Oxley Chamberlain deal. Do you think whoever gets uh, the Ox will really have a bargain on their hands there? Well, I do. I do think that that could be the case because I think we've seen glimpses of it in 2017. He's had a good year. Um, you know, he hasn't always had a great time at Arsenal because largely because of injuries, I think, and getting the best out of himself. But I don't know that basically um, that that really he. he could do that at Arsenal. Maybe sometimes you need a fresh challenge and that, that's part of the issue. I think he's got the real capacity to come back and haunt Arsenal. And I think that would be the way he's got so much patience, so much power. And I think if he can run into the best years of his career and really develop that potential, then I think, you know, it, it's all there for, for Alex Oxford and Chamberlain. If he goes to a club, you know, like Chelsea Indians, major honours, um, like the Premier League title and maybe even European success, then that's also a very good thing for England and his England career. Um, it's fascinating really, isn't it, that Chelsea have sold one guy who's just been called up to the England squad who could end up playing in central midfield where Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain was tried out by Gareth Southgate and it didn't end up working. It's pretty ironic, that. Yeah, it is really. I, it, you know, it is difficult, isn't it, sometimes with... with you know, with moves, you've got to choose the right moment, and then if a manager changes and things develop, then then who knows? But I, I just feel that, that sometimes a player, it's not necessarily you know, kind of you know, a club getting it wrong or basically mismanaging the player. Sometimes you just need that fresh start, 
And I think the fresh start really, um, you know, is, is required now at this stage, I think, for, for Oxford Champion to really come back and sort of, you know, really improve and push on. I think that Chelsea, if they do indeed get the deal over the line, don't forget that Liverpool in the background, but Arsenal would much rather deal with Chelsea. Um, you know, relations still not great between Arsenal and Liverpool following on from, from Luis Suarez in 2013. Um, then, then I think they'll, they'll they'll really get a really good player, I think, Chelsea. But, um, you know, it, it's it's a really difficult one for Arsenal fans. I think Arsenal fans are split over it because I think they've, they've had some frustrations with the Ops. But I think I think perhaps the wiser ones can see that in, in recent times in really delivering on his potential. So I think he's one that's got potential to come back and really haunt Arsenal in the future. I know you're in hushed tones because you're in the middle of an England uh, press briefing today. and I know you're looking forward to uh, a weekend of uh, double headers uh, for England. Uh, Malta Friday, then Slovakia on Monday. I mean, it's such a massive squad that Gareth Southgate has picked. I mean, is he going to play two completely separate teams? Yeah, <laughs> I do think it's um, it's an interesting squad, and I think that the sort of the, the, the new call-ups like Chalabar, um, you know, have got a sort of an opportunity to move forward. Um, it would be interesting, by the way, sort of Oxford Chamberlain, whether indeed he'll go to Malta or whether he'll be locked in transfer negotiations. The FA have indicated that they allow him to um, allow him to, to to go, you know, and sort of um, you know, complete that transfer if it hasn't been done so already before they fly on Thursday. Um, but I do think that, that kind of uh, if England can get two wins in the next two games, which you'd absolutely expect them to against Malta and Slovakia, mm. then they're halfway to, to, to you know sort of almost there. I feel we can almost touch the World Cup qualification, and I think then from there you can almost then sort of really push on and kind of you know make plans and know that you're qualified. And I think it will give down Southgate a lift because in just in recent times. I, th- I think some of the results haven't been as, as promising as we've sort of had that sort of optimism checked a little bit. So I do think it needs a kind of a really good couple of wins, hopefully, in the next um, few weeks. What do you think of the goalkeeping situation, John? Do you think um, Hart will start both or might we see Butland in one of those games? I, I think Butland might even start Friday. It's just a hunch. But, um, but I just think that Butland will be England's number one start the World Cup. Um, I think that Joe Hart just needs to rediscover himself. Really, I'm still a big Joe Hart fan, but I do think that um, Butland, you know, can can really um, be, be sort of a, you know long-term number one, and this is almost his opportunity. As I say, the sooner England qualify, the sooner they can kind of almost concentrate on sort of qualifying for the World Cup. So, uh, yeah, sorry, but, you know, and sort of making plans for the World Cup, I should say. And I think Butland will be central to that. I think moving forward. John, thank you very much. Cheers for joining us. Appreciate it. That big news about Alexis Sanchez, I'm sure, will be all over the Mirror Football website and in the paper tomorrow. We'll speak to you soon. Enjoy creeping around St George's Park. (laughs) Get in touch on Instagram or Twitter. Every week, Big Tom brings you his big news. It doesn't get you the likes, doesn't get you the retweets that you might crave. However, it's just as important. What you got this week? Uh, this week is rec- a recurring theme. is the current theme of Arsenal and the Europa League. Now, Arsenal and Everton have never won this competition. Nope. Yet the manager's two approaches couldn't look night and day different. Uh, Ronald Koeman, excited by the prospects of European football at oh, Williamson yeah. Park. Fully intent on making the most of Rooney's retirement and fielding a strongest team in order to progress. Yep. 
Arsene Wenger, on the other hand, has alluded to maybe using it for development as a mix of youth and reserve players. Maybe that's all he'll have left by the time we get to the end of the transfer window. Maybe. Now, some highlight the physical demands of competing for the Premier League. As we saw with Everton this week. Yep, and the domestic cups and argued that fatigue did for last year's winners Man United and yep. cost them a top four place. However, without them taking this competition seriously, we wouldn't see Pogba and co in the European Cup this correct. year. Absolutely correct. Now... Will Arsenal be challenging for the league, though? No. No. Uh, the defeat against Stoke and the mauling against Liverpool suggests that that's not going to be in the case. Now, in fairness, the ticket prices at the Emirates for the Europa League look unusually reasonably priced. With I around... like that you're being fair. That's good. Yeah, well, fiver for a junior gunner seat. That's good. That's good. And around about 20 quid for an adult seat. That's all right, not bad. Fairly priced. But if they're going to treat the competition with such disdain, maybe... You mean by playing the kids and stuff? Yeah, maybe they should let the fans in for free. (laughs) The winner gets the Champions League. Yes. Say that again. The winner gets the Champions League. Now, with Man City, Man United, Chelsea, Spurs and Liverpool looking stronger favourites for the top four, surely you grab your opportunity to get a Champions League place with both hands. If you're Arsenal, you may have to. The Mirror Football Podcast. Right, the transfer window closes this week. Let's get an agent's view by speaking to Omnisports' James Featherstone, who is the agent for Gary Monk, uh, the Middlesbrough manager, amongst others, and Clive Clark, who was a footballer, clinically died on the pitch, and then was brought back to life. He was playing for Sunderland at the time in the League Cup. It was 10 years ago uh, this week, but thankfully... He is still with us and he joins us on the line now. Gentlemen, hello. Thank you very much for coming on the programme. Hope you're well. Very well, thanks. Clive, I'm going to start with you. I mean, it's an unbelievable story uh, and sort of people have heard it all before. But, um, I mean, do you, do you suffer any after effects from it or, or, or what? Yeah, not really, no. I don't suffer any effects. Obviously, um, I still have to go see a doctor every few months, um, go see a heart consultant, make sure everything's okay. Um, I've been fitted with an internal defibrillator, which is a little bit like a pacemaker. So I've had that in me for the last 10 years since the incident. But um, touch wood, all's okay so far. 10 years yesterday, do you have like a little anniversary party? Do you get your, your birthday cake out and just light the candles and go, yes, 10 more years? <laughs> I know, it's, it's weird actually. It's a bit of a um, commiseration really. I feel a little bit more down this time here probably than um, I should do. I'm obviously very relieved to still be alive, but at the same time, uh, I do miss kicking the ball around the field. Uh, which is strange because you are quite a jovial character, aren't you? I mean, you you are you are king of the king of the banter most most of the time. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, like I, I like having a bit of fun, having a laugh, and uh, you know, um, I think that's what life's about. You know, trying to have have some fun along the way. But it's um, yeah, this time of year always sort of brings it back um, how lucky I was, um, but at the same time. Uh, Unfortunate was not to uh, continue my football career as well. It's obviously a mixed emotions. Well, we're delighted that to, to have you with us today, and we're delighted that you, uh, that we, I've got to spend uh, time with you and uh, enjoy your company. That is definitely for sure. We do wish you all the best. Uh, let's talk about what you do now, then, football agency, because the transfer window is about to close. Now, is it official that if you are trying to buy players at this time of the year, you're officially panic buying? Yeah, no, definitely. I think um, there's a couple of deals that will get done later on that's been in, working for the last two or three weeks. But those who have not identified the targets are going to panic buy. And unfortunately, it happens every uh, every year. And it's normally, um, you know, clubs that seem to be well run that are looking around the market last minute trying to get players in. 
Um, in terms of the, the mechanics of a deal, how does it work at this time of year? Do you, do you get like random calls from, from, from managers and from, from CEOs saying, look, I really need a player who can do this, this or this? Or, or do you start to approach, play, uh, to approach managers at this stage of the year saying, I've got this player, he fancies a move, I can get him to you cheaply at this time of year? Bit of both, really. I think um, what happens in a lot of clubs is they have unrealistic uh, targets to start with. And then the ones that are realistic come to the fore in the last couple of days. So um, normally they, they kind of know the uh, the makeup already of the deal and then they just press the go button in the last couple of days because obviously you've got to get a medical and obviously agree, agree a fee for them and the, the payment structure and then obviously agree wages with the player as well. So there's a couple of um, conversations that need to be taken. So you obviously you need to be identifying them a couple of days before you're actually completing the move. And what's your best tactic at this time of the year to, for getting the wages up to make sure your client gets the best deal? Do you do anything sort of crazy? No, I think it's, we're just trying to pray in the week a little bit, you know, going to the clubs that have had a poor start, um, trying to get them to take a player that they probably were looking maybe to get someone different in, but then they know they need to get numbers in. Um, so obviously a player, say for Agnes sake, he's a 20 grand a week player. You generate interest from two or three and, and try and drive up his, um, his value and his earnings. Um, does an agent, when they get to the end of the transfer window, just go on a massive holiday and just chill out? Because <laughs> you can only do your business in a certain period of time. I'm sure that's a, a trade restriction. No, definitely. It's, um, it's, it's one of them. I think come the day after the window or even the night of the window, everyone has a, a beer and a chill out and you're able to switch your phone off. So it's like... a it's a, it is a bit of a relief and then um, it's sort of able to party for three months if you want. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you feel about the window? Are you pro-window or will you be glad to see the back of it? What, how do you feel about the transfer window as it stands? Well, I'm, I'm pro-football, you know. I'm not, a, I'm not a, you know, obviously an agent and that's how I make my living, but I'm not a big believer in the window going into the season. I think the window needs to shut before the season starts. I think it's unfair on managers, officials, agents, players and everyone involved in it. It's... it's it's a bit too long-winded, but it's. I am a fan of the window. I do enjoy the build-up to the last couple of days, and you get that little bit of a buzz. But I do think it needs to start maybe a little bit earlier and end a bit earlier. Um, in terms of uh, the amount of transactions that go through, how many people work on it? And will you have sort of like people that are working with you? How, how many agents are actually involved in a deal? I don't know. Let's just say there's a goalkeeper going from a Premier League club to another Premier League club. Um, do, do, does he have an agent? The club have an agent. And the buying club have an agent as well. How, how does it work? Well, it's all different. It depends the makeup of, of the club. A lot of the time, it's just yourself, your player, and um, you know the, the buying club. Then sometimes then that, the buying club and and the current club can both throw two agents into it. And then there might be another um, transaction going on at the same time, another deal that needs to be done for your deal to get done. So sometimes there's five agents involved in one deal and sometimes it's just yourself it's it's every deal's uh, unique and, and different do you get on with other agents are you like mates with other agents or do they just get on your nerves trying to sort of weasel in on deals yeah no you know me so I'm, I'm pretty laid back i don't really give a monkeys about the other one so i just get on with it <laughs> um I, I just get on with people if i like them i like them um, obviously there's some ones out there who are just money orientated and they don't look after their clients I tend not to bother socialising with them and when they ring, I just like say, uh, don't call again. So we've got lots of deals that are hopefully going to get over the line in the next couple of days. What What's the kind of strangest thing, without mentioning any names or clubs if you if you don't want to, what's the strangest thing that's held a deal up for in your experience? Well, I'm working on a deal at the minute where is, uh, the club have uh, told the player he can leave. They've accepted, his, um, accepted an offer for him 
but they won't let them leave until they find a target for the same amount of money that they've accepted. But all the targets are more expensive, so uh, they've come back around enough with a player a new contract and told him how much he loved them. <laughs> so <laughs> so that, that, that was pretty unique, and that's been going on for a month, and I'm actually just about to go into a meeting regarding that uh, contract and our uh, deal now, so it's, um, it's still very much up in the air what happened, but it's been a club that's I would say not very well ran, who kind of haven't got a clue what they're doing. <laughs> Unfortunately, that happens far too often, doesn't it? Listen, thank you very much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, great to see you, and we'll catch up for a few beers soon. Brilliant. Thanks very much. Take care. Let's speak to James Featherston from uh, Omni Sports. Uh, he's the agent for Gary Monk, the Middlesbrough manager, amongst others as well. Um, firstly, James, um, take us to your nerve centre. I mean, this looks pretty damn impressive. <laughs> yeah, this is head office, as you can see. Now, we've got two offices in the UK, so one up in um, South Manchester in Cheshire, one in London. Um, so I think we're pretty well suited in terms of service in the clubs. We've probably got... 30, if not 40, so getting on for 50% of the league clubs within an hour of um, of the offices. So good locations, plenty of clubs on the doorstep. So yeah, it's good. Um, how does it work then at this time of year? Because um, we're getting into the stage where lots of, of deals are being done last minute. Are those deals that were always in the pipeline or are those deals that managers and coaches and CEOs are rushing through and agents and players are rushing through as well because they just want to get some business done before the deadline goes? It just depends, really. I think um, the UK, England in particular, I think we're known as being a little bit last minute. I don't think that's a lack of process or a lack of strategy. I think it's just because there's more money involved in, uh, you know, in the Premier League and even the Championship than than a lot of territories. Um, I think the main the main driver at this time of year is is squad composition. Um, obviously, for the top six, you know, can they? just find that final piece of the jigsaw and then from there down really it's it's a little bit like a housing chain you know if, if they've got to take a player from somewhere you know they're not taking unattached players um so quite often you'll see um a movement in a certain position obviously center half at the moment is one we're, we're keeping our eye on strikers wingers is always busy um so i think it, it differs for each club um you tend to see you know the higher up where there's um where money's less of an issue they tend to be much more kind of concrete in terms of um you know they either get done or they don't and they can cope with or without obviously we've just seen liverpool doing business for next summer so that shows kind of how forward thinking they are with their squad and then obviously as you move down through the squads um depending what's driving the club really you know if it's getting into Europe, if it's staying in the Premier League, if it's getting back in the Premier League, depending what's driving it, um, you do get at this time of year some, I wouldn't say panic buys because they tend to be tried and tested players, but you do get some deals that you know pretty much go from, from zero to hero in a, in a short space of time, absolutely. That's an, that's an interesting point you just made there, James. I mean, do you find there's a difference between the different positions of player and how quickly and, or how readily the deal can get done between a goalkeeper, for example, and a striker? Is there a difference there? Absolutely. I mean, if you look at look at any squad on uh, over the weekend, uh, look at your bench composition. You know, you've got one goalkeeper, maybe two defenders, and the rest are offensive players. So, if you think about that in terms of um, acquiring players, if you need a goalkeeper, you need a goalkeeper. If you need a right back, a left back, a centre half, that's something that's needed immediately. You know, you can't go out on a Saturday without a goalkeeper or without good cover or um, you know without those those players with you know in, in your group 
I think with offensive players, they're the types that um, they're much easier to keep happy because, you know, depending on what system you're playing, you might have five or six um, offensive players out on a Saturday, <clears throat> five or six on the bench. So all of a sudden you can keep, you know, 11, 12, 13 players happy, um, you know, rather than only having two centre-halves or one goalkeeper. Um, so, yeah, it's always much easier to add an offensive player at this time of year than it is to... Um, uh, to, you know, to, to add a, a you know a core position like goalkeeper or centre half. Can you debunk a couple of myths for me? First of all, do you have a fax machine still, and do you use it? It's um, it's a bit of a running joke in the office. Certainly, when I played, um, you know, there was at this time of year, it was a lot of uh, kind of oh, I'm standing by the fax machine waiting for it to come through. Um, it was a bit of a running joke. No, I mean, look, now it tends the majority of deals are done face to face, so we're there physically to. Um, you know, to, to, to sign the documents, or worst case, of course, it's it's all email and, and scanner now, and even the FA and the Premier League, um, or Football League and Premier League, their systems are much more advanced now, so the uploading of documents, it's all done online, so yeah, unfortunately, the, um, the fax machine's redundant. Ah, oh, I'm disappointed about that, I used to love a good fax a machine. Romance, a they never used to work. <laughs> At this stage of the season, is there any sort of truth to the idea that that agents maybe who haven't had a good window will try and sell one of their better players in order to make up for not doing enough business over the course of the transfer window? Um, look, I, I can't really speak for others. Um, I'd like to think the way that we, as in Omnisports, do our business, we try and reflect a club's recruitment process and strategy. Um, so we tend to be um, very measured, very structured. We've had a, a good window and a lot of that business was done early. Um, but to speak broad, more broadly, um, yes, I could see that agents possibly that you know need to keep the wolf from the door or whatever's driving it. If it's something different that's driving it, I wouldn't have thought it necessarily be for their players. Um, I would like to think it wouldn't be because let's not forget, you know, the most important thing about being an agent is representing the player correctly. And you know, for me, the, the day you finish is the day you put yourself in front of your player. But I think. Where that might come in is where you know agents will try and step in to represent you know clubs or to broker a deal or um, you know trying to help a, a, a club acquire a player. So the you know kind of the third party type ones that that aren't necessarily involved in the day to day running of the you know of the player or the club, depending which side that they're sitting. But yeah, I understand the question. I could see how, how kind of um, a different motive like desperation could could affect activity. But equally. You know, a deal's only there to be done if you've got two willing parties, you know, a club that's willing to sell, or three, should I say, you know, a club that's willing to sell, a player that's willing to go, and a club that's willing to buy. So I think a lot of that activity, it's the, um, um, you know, that, that's the noise, and I, I don't think a lot of that actually gets transacted. I don't, I don't think it actually affects or moves the market. James, we've had some mega deals over the summer, and notably Neymar, um, whose father profited quite healthily from that deal. Um, have you ever experienced or have you heard through other agencies of any kind of quirky sweeteners from family or friend members that needed to be done to get a deal pushed through? Uh, if you've got a number for his dad, mate, that'd be a good intro. <laughs> <laughs> dad him to the, uh, to the stable, that'd be good. Um, look, I think I can't go into deal specific or club specific, but you know, ultimately it's like any other business in procurement. You know, there's a budget set, how that is, is divided, um, you know, is, is, is case by case. So it's not unheard of, especially with the change in regulations, um, you know, that, that 
um, family members, parents, brothers, uncles are involved, but nine times out of ten, they're actually they're involved. You know, they're they're adding value. You know, they've they've um, they've got trust, obviously, with uh, the family member, i.e., the player, and they actually you know are, are, are um, fundamentally making something happen. So yeah, I think that's you know that that's down to the the club, the individual, and obviously to make sure they're working within the regulations. And, and Neymar's dad definitely deserves everything that he can get after all those nappy changing, taking him to training every night after school and teaching him everything he knows, clearly. Mm-hmm. James, thank you very much for coming on the programme. Appreciate it. We really appreciate it. And good luck over the next uh, 72 hours because I'm sure you're going to be busy. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Get in touch on Instagram or Twitter. So it's time for our weekly look at fantasy football. I've got a confession to make. Go on. I am top of my draft league. Yeah, I know that. I'm very impressed by it. Mm. Um, Firmino, Charlie Daniels, uh, Raheem, Tammy, get him. Mm. Um, but uh, in, your st- in the Stay on the Feet League, uh, yes. Stay on your Feet League, I have, I have tanked. I've had an absolute terror. The average this week was 43 points. Yeah, it was a low week. It was a low week, but not as low as me. The highest was 109. What did you get? I got a paltry... 29. That's bad. 29. Seriously, I got 29 points. I didn't even know I did that. Yeah. Mane, William, uh, Cedric Suarez, absolutely fine. Uh, but my forwards, Lukaku, Defoe, and Chicharito, gave me three points between them. Three points. Yeah. Uh, I'm in 155th place out of 218. Where are you? Uh, well, I'm not much better. I'm 96th because I too had the Chicharito and Lukaku, as most managers out there did. But Ali, Salah, and Firmino were doing the business for me. Um, we've got a change in the leaderboard again this wow. week. It's changing every week. Uh, we've got this week Ian O'Dyer's puddle jumpers mm. who bucked the trend in this low-scoring week with a 74 points. Quite respectable. Well done. Um, his reliance on Salah, Mane and Firmino clearly paying dividends with goals for all three. What? They he's played... oh, yeah, he's got all three of those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the one thing I, I will say is that last week we did tell you Get Newcastle forwards in your team because yeah, West Ham are so bad defensively and that yeah. came up trumps. I'm going to give you another tip for the next uh, round of fantasy Go league. On. Obviously, it depends on injuries over the international break. But I'm switching my captain from Romelu Lukaku, mm. who's going to play for Manchester United against Stoke away from home at 5.30 on the Saturday. I'm going to give it to Alvaro Morata. I think I'm actually going to switch those two players out because uh, Morata has scored already twice and assisted goals already. They're going to Leicester, uh, who always concede. And obviously, um, you know, with the Manchester United, it might be more difficult at Stoke. Plus, put Ben Foster in goal because West Bromwich Albion, they've got Brighton nil. Got you. The Mirror Football Podcast. Well, Gary Neville said the whole Arsenal squad was up for sale in this transfer window, but it's not entirely true. Uh, There are some uh, that Wenger knows he couldn't flog. (laughs) Uh, But who will be moving before deadline day? Let's speak to the man with the finger on the pulse, uh, the Mirror Football Sport reporter, uh, Neil McClellan, is with us. Hi, Neil. How are you? Good morning. Very well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, good, thank you. Obviously, we've spoken to John Cross this morning, who's rather in whispering hushed tones told us very secretly uh, that Manchester City have uh, uh, not only bid for Alexis Sanchez, but offered Raheem Sterling in exchange. It's a massive story, that, isn't it? It is, and it really is decision time for Arsenal. They've got themselves in this position now. They've got these three players going into the final years of his contract. So Oclay Chamberlain looks like he's going to go. Now they've got the decision. What do you do with Sanchez? Do you hold on to him? Are you an unhappy player? Have every game you lose? Have him pictures of him looking miserable on the pitch? 
or do you cash in and get someone who wants to come and play for you? So that's the decision they've got to make. Whether Sterling's the answer, they've got to weigh that up, or do they use Sanchez's money and go out and try and buy someone else the next three days? Yeah, it's very difficult at this stage of the year as well to, to be able to do that unless you've already got someone lined up. They, Absolutely. We're, we're talking to uh, Thomas Lamar for quite some time, or they were talking about trying to sign him. But Arsenal, uh, are they going to lose out to Liverpool on this player because they've also been linked? Well, Liverpool... Uh, Wenger said last week the deal's dead because Monaco, Monaco sold so many players this summer. You know, they won the title and they've got Mendy, Bernardo Silva to City, Babayoko for the Chelsea. They lost a couple of other players. So they've said Fabinho might still be going to Paris, but they've said that's it now. We're starting the season. I think Bappe might be going as well. Looks like he's going to Paris. So they've said no more. So Arsenal and Spurs had a sniff around Limar earlier in the summer and were told it's a no deal. So Liverpool have gone back in and gone back in hard. So it's a little bit like Anthony Martial a few years ago when Wenger had a sniff around him who was told he's not happening and United went in last minute and spent a lot of money. So it just depends whether Monaco are prepared to let another of their top players go this summer. Uh, what about Coutinho? Because he might be key to that deal. Uh, do you think that will go through before we get to the uh, end of this transfer window? Or will he, like Naby Keita, be waiting until 2018? Well, you can see Barcelona coming in for one last go. But I do think that Liverpool have said it turned down so much now. They are leaving it so late to get in a replacement, like we said. So they've been so adamant that he's not going to go this this summer. And I think you're right. I think we may well see a compromise a la Suarez that he plays one more year and we see him go next summer. Um, it's going to be a fascinating final few days, absolutely crazy final few days, especially at Liverpool where they've been linked with Renato Sanchez, Mignolet leaving and Emre Chan going off to Juventus. Um, out of all of those, the one that sort of freaked me out this morning was Renato Sanchez going to Swansea City. Now, I know there's a, co- a connection there, but even so, it did raise my eyebrow. Well, the Swansea have got the, the Sigurdsson money to burn. So they've got £45 million and three days to spend it. So it looks like they're going to try back, bring back Wilfred Bonny. But um, Sanchez, you know, there's a Paul Clement connection there from Bayern Munich. I mean, what a, what a signing that would be for Swansea. Amazing. So if Liverpool, it would be. I mean, given the choice, if Liverpool is seriously in for him, you'd think he'd be look, take the option of Champions League football. But, it's yeah, it's, it's going to be great to see if Swansea can pull that one off. Um, Emre Chan put in such a stunning performance against Arsenal at the weekend. I'm sure Liverpool fans won't be... Uh, thrilled to hear that his name's been thrown up with link to Juventus again. I mean, we really saw on Sunday what he could do. Do you think that one, there's any truth in that? I think certainly Juventus are, are interested. I think that it's, again, it's a little similar to the Arsenal one with the, the player contracts. Chan's run down his contract. It's actually become, it's not as been high profile as the other, as the other players at the other clubs. So I think Chan will stay. I think there's a, there's enough going on at Liverpool. There's enough there's enough excitement, enough new players being brought in to, to keep him there. But it's certainly something Liverpool are going to have to watch in future. Um, Pep thought it was going to be pretty simple, but Evans, Elpis, Leicester City are also in for Johnny. I mean, which way is he going to go? I, I mean, if I was Johnny Evans, I'd be thinking Champions League football could win the title or go to Leicester City. I think I know where I'd be heading. But but what do you think is going to happen? Well, I think, I mean, it, they started off in the, the mid-teens offer. It's gone up and up the... I think if Man City slapped down 30 million, I think it's going to be difficult for West Brom to say no. But if, so just sort of talking about Evans, if you give them, as you say, given the choice, go to City to play Champions League football. But you know, Leicester wouldn't be. I think Leicester are going to have a pretty solid season this year, and he'd probably be a starter there. So that's the one to watch as well. Um, I'm sure we will look at it. And uh, Crystal Palace need a central defender as well. I mean, could they nip him for Johnny Evans, or or is that about out of their league now? I think they're going to go back in for Sacco. I think Sacco's the big... I mean, amongst all the difference of the changes, the manager, and the, obviously De Boer's been a problem. 
when Sacco joined them in the in the, like the end of last season, he made such a huge difference to them. And I was Liverpool are looking for thirty. Palace have offered twenty now, twenty four. Like to think that you know they, they go up a little bit more, and even if they have to go to thirty, that could be the difference between them staying up this season or not. We've also had a sniff round Font, who um, the West Ham player who, who was with them before he went to Southampton. So I certainly think Palace need a new centre back this week. Oh, sniffing round the Font—that's not a very good, a, a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Depending, of course, where you are. I think Liverpool might be asking for thirty-five now for Palace. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, West Ham have been uh, on and off for William Carvalho over the course of this transfer window. I am so bored with this transfer; it is unbelievable. William Carvalho has been on the verge of a move to the Premier League. For the last 515 <laughs> years, it's never happened. Why not? Well, the news this morning coming out of France is that he might not even be coming now because Monaco could be interested in it. So that could, be, after all this, that um, West Ham have been trying for weeks and they still haven't been able to close a deal. Monaco could be selling Fabinho to the Paris Saint-Germain. And uh, the Monaco coach, Jardin, used to work with Carvalho at Sporting and he, he would be there, his replacement. So after all this, and they're, they're talking about four or five million pounds difference for, for West Ham. I mean, it's, it's interesting so it's how much of a vote of confidence it is in Billich from the board. Billich wants Carvalho to shore up his midfield and uh, to sit at the, you know, to play that holding midfield role. So and they haven't been able to get the deal done. And I, I would say now, now it looks, if Fabinho goes to Paris, it looks like Carvalho will go to Monaco. How about Man United? Any more business there? Will they make a last-ditch bid for Perisic, you think? They've, uh, they've gone quite quiet on uh, rumours recently. Well, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny that how the pressure builds if you have a good, bad start to the season and the pressure's off if you have a good start. Mm. So United have looked absolutely sensational so far. They've also they've brought Ibrahimovic a re-sign, re- so he'll be like a new signing by, um, by Christmas or so like that. So there's certainly no pressure. I mean, in to close the door, they said Perisic, you know, if you're not going to get the, the, the price by a certain date, it's not going to happen. And they've said definitely not now. So um, I'd, I'd say it's unlikely they're going to add now. Um, the signing of Usman Dembele not going to be the last one for Barcelona last night Roberto Fernandez uh, said he's the Barcelona sporting director and uh, we hope to present another one before the end of the month and we expect that to be it could be them, it could be um, Draxler from Paris Saint-Germain a possibility Seri from Nice they're looking at a few players. I mean, if, if, as you said, if Coutinho's not going to happen, even if they have one more go, there are other options there. I mean, there are, I mean, it's it's an it's amazing turnaround that the power of uh, French football as well. That um, the, the money that's um, that Neymar's gone, so that money's there to be spent. So they've spent more than half of it on Dembele. They've still got another hundred million to get through, really, Barcelona. Uh, what a lovely position to be in, having a hundred million pounds to get through mm. in three days. We would all like that challenge. Brewster's millions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Neil, thank you very much for coming on the program, giving us all the latest transfer gossip. Get in touch on Instagram or Twitter. So, do you want the answer to the mind bender? Yeah, go on then. I think okay. I've got a good idea. Go okay, on. so you've scored 17 goals. Liverpool, your team, scored yeah. 17 goals in five home games against Arsenal. That's Nine players have scored those goals. Five of those players have scored more than one during that uh, period. Yeah, uh, You've get? got three. So you've got Skirtle, Sterling and Mane. There's two more to get. Yeah. Um, Sturridge, I can remember him grabbing a couple. Yeah, he yeah. got one yesterday yeah. or whenever it was, Sunday now. God, that was ages ago. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he also got one previously but he, never more than that. No, he didn't just... get two in one game actually, which no. I thought was strange because I always had this vivid memory of him scoring two in a game. And I thought there's a lot of goals to process. So many goals. Lot, lot to get so through. many goals. And um, one more. One more. Um... Come on. 
scored on Sunday. Bobby Firmino. Roberto Firmino. Have you got a song for Roberto Firmino? I can't remember what it is. I don't know about a song, but he's got some great celebrations. You yeah. see where the shorts were brought down. Don't, yeah. <laughs> if that floats your boat. Um, right, thank you very much to everyone that took part today. At Stay On Your Feet on Twitter. You can get involved on Instagram as well, at Stay On Your Feet TV. Uh, thanks to John Cross, to James Featherstone, to Clive Clark, to Neil McClellan. Uh, we are back next week. In between time, I will be doing Scotland. Uh, both their games against Malta and Lithuania for ITV. Uh, live game on Saturday night, massive one. Spain against Italy, live, wow. ITV4 nice. uh, at 7.45. Make sure you join me for that one. Portugal and Hungary the day afterwards as well. So very, very busy. What are you up to? Uh, I'm just going to keep looking at the transfer window, really. And if there's any justice in the world, we'll sign Lamar. Oh, very good. I'm supposed to be going to London to present TalkSport Drive this afternoon. Okay. But I thought, you know, maybe I'll just sit here and do nothing and wait and see what happens. Because after all, right now, I'm identifying as Meza Ertzel. The Mirror Football Podcast.